Hey everybody, welcome to another Wiser Wednesday. So today we're discussing systems, a fantastic topic. We might geek out a bit today, um, but what we're really trying to do is to um, help you understand why we're so passionate about systems and why we've seen systems work in trying to scale uh, startups, uh, you know, SMEs all the way through, right? It's, it's so important but it takes a certain mindset and a you know certain desire to want to go on that journey. I'm James Potton, uh, I believe in a world of entrepreneurial success without burnout. Um, you know, got the t-shirt slightly charred. Um, we're speaking today with the backdrop of um, deregulation here in the UK. Uh, so, you know, the jury's out on the effects of this. Um, but look, <clears throat> I personally love systems. Uh, I guess one of the best examples that I use is uh, Exited, my environmental consultancy in 2016. We had about 40 people in the photo um, and you know we were about a 12 million turnover business at that time. Roll the clock forward five years, 2021, there's another photo of about 40 people and only eight of the same team members. So, and, and actually the turnover had nearly doubled in that time. So the CEO who took over from me, James, he said, look, you put in like the systems, the SAPs or the foundations that allowed us to just drive the growth of the organization. So I think it's really important like message there in that if you do spend the time and find the, you know, the way to do enough, but not too much systems, then, you know, you can really like, you know, power a business forward. So, right. So, um, you know, uh, Kelly had a re really good suggestion. If you had an extra hour in the day, what would you do with it? So if you put that in the chat, um, you know, if we get a chance at the end, we'll read through some of them. Um, so, you know, first up, let's just, you know, quick intro to the panelists. I also get them to introduce themselves, but say Kelly Goss, founder of Solver, um, author of Automated with Zapier. So um, you recently did a DNA test and found out you have heritage from 11 different regions. Uh, I thought there were only seven, so this is amazingly impressive. Um, so Zane Daniel, founder of MLSense, uh, you saved companies over 23 million through data services in the recent years. Uh, you love road trips, uh, you once drove from Calais to Valencia in one go, um, so you've been especially hit in the petrol prices at the moment. Um, Hugo Cox, founder of HC5 Systems, your um, you know, business process consultant and automator. You've married your wife three times, um, and your middle name is also Mendelssohn, as in the uh, your great grandfather who wrote the wedding march. So I'm hoping you're on hoping you're on commission. Um, so you know, I don't think you've actually married her three times. You had three ceremonies, but hey. Uh, and Vinay uh, uh, Pans Patanka. Patanka, thank you. Sorry. There you go. Okay, awesome. So look, founder of Process Street. So amazing to have you on here. You know, former Silicon Valley, uh, now San Diego. Although you're calling in from Portugal today, uh, you've raised over 15 million in recent years. And Vinny, you met your co-founder in a hotel in Buenos Aires. So um, you've been to almost as many regions as Kelly's DNA. So um, <laughs> amazing panel here today. Uh, just to set the mood, a, a bun fight is a fun night. So jump in with questions um, to each other if you want to. Uh, we're also live, so uh, ideally no swearing, but passion is welcome. Um, so look, can you each do uh, an intro, less than a minute, tell us your journey to how you are, um, where you are today. So I'll start with Zane. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, basically um, journey-wise, uh, started MLSense about three years ago and uh, sort of thought that, you know what, there's a lot of things that I could do uh, and in terms of uh, helping companies save a lot of money that are uh, with, with problems that are very much uh, similar uh, across the board. And that's what sort of drove me to uh, start a consultancy and and basically um, help companies uh, save money um, and uh, improve their processes. Um, these are basically data engineering pipelines and uh, uh, cloud infrastructure sort of work. So yeah, and um, last year I calculated all the savings we had done and that was basically about 23 million. Um, and that was a, a massive figure. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I haven't done a, a recent calculation yet. It's probably more. So yeah. No, that's great, Zane, thank you. Um, so look, really looking forward to hearing uh, from you today. Kelly, you're up next on my screen. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Kelly Goss. Um, I have a background in uh, process improvement in pharmaceutical and medical device. That was my original uh, first job uh, in microbiology, actually. 
And I then opened a business with an ex-partner of mine, uh, which was a veterinary practice, which was super, super unproductive. We had the right legacy systems in place, but we had no pro proper processes, really bad, well, no automation in place. And we were spending like 60, 70 hour, 80 probably hour weeks doing VAT returns on a Sunday before they were due. And when I left that business, I was totally burnt out. I mean, this is, this is sounding a little bit similar to James's story, um, <laughs> but I realized that there were better ways of doing things. I had a lot of um, small business experience by that point and all my process experience as well. And I started helping businesses to automate their accounting processes, first of all. Uh, then I came across Zapier which helps you to connect all these different tools together because it integrates with lots of different cloud-based tools. And that totally blew my mind. And now it's, what, six, seven years later, I've written a book. I'm launching a course to help people to uh, learn about better systems, processes, and automation. Um, and I help businesses to do exactly that, to be more productive and uh, to be able to scale cost-effectively and quickly with all of those things in place. So awesome. that's me. Great. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, Vinay, you're up next. Hey, everyone. So I'm Vinay. I'm the CEO of Process Street. We are a process management platform. We help teams manage employee onboarding, approvals, workflow automation, the team's handbook, and a lot more. So we're kind of like an all-in-one process management platform to take all your the knowledge of your organization as well as take that knowledge and automate all the different tasks associated associated with it across the business um my story is uh i've been doing this for a long time i actually uh originally built process street uh with my co-founder who i met in a hostel in buenos aires uh as an internal tool for our last company and similar kind of stories to james and, and kelly i was really feeling the pain of like not having good systems in place and was looking for a solution. Um, but kind of as we've worked on it over the years, what we've really noticed is there seems to be a bit of a um, a bad rap around processes. Uh, there's a lot of focus on like project management and like, let's do projects and launch this product and do this and do that. But like uh, people kind of don't pay enough attention to processes, uh, especially when they're smaller businesses and, and our new teams kind of like just, just figuring things out. But when you think about it, most of the most impressive businesses in the world, the majority of what they do is process. It's like Amazon sending a package or a SpaceX launching a rocket. It's like, it's not like some new project that you're kind of doing. In fact, like when you're working on projects, you're probably burning a lot of resources doing stuff and figuring stuff out that you then end up throwing away. So we kind of really are on this mission of uh, trying to get people to stop throwing away their work, stop focusing on projects and get serious about process. Awesome. All right, great. Thanks, Vinay. Looking forward to hearing from you as well. And Hugo. Hi, uh, Hugo from 5HC. Um, so I'm kind of, kind of new to this game on the tech side of it. I've spent my whole career doing a whole variety of things um, from being in the British Army to working in construction, project management, uh, manufacturing, quality management, and so on. And what that did is gave me a massive breadth of uh, experience with different sort of systems and processes in organizations, big and small, um, and good and bad. Um, I then joined a company a couple of years ago to sort of overhaul all of their systems, but I was quite new to the technical side of it, uh, and employed uh, someone called Kelly, who is on your screen at the moment, to help with the Zapier side of it and, and sort of give me a few tips and tricks. Uh, I then sort of got massively into that and, and implemented a bunch of systems and connected them all up and so on. Um, uh, and I was always uh, chasing her to, to give me a job. And then uh, she said, why don't you go and do it yourself? Uh, so I did. Um, so a couple of years on, I'm uh, I'm still doing that. So I'm helping companies, uh, you know, tie together their different platforms. And I'm also um, building a lot of my own platforms using um, various no-code or low-code things. But um, I think the having that background in the operational side of it is hugely important. Uh, a lot of the time, clients come to me saying, "I want you to do this," and then when you actually dig into it, that's not what they want at all. You know, you when you look at the bigger picture um so yeah that, that's me um yeah helping helping generally small to medium businesses um you know grow or move on to that next gear get away from you know lots of spreadsheets and and so on and just 
helping them kind of dedicate their brain power to actually earning money and doing stuff, not just juggling or doing the same stuff they did last month and then forgot how they did it. Uh, to, to one of your points earlier, James. Yeah, yeah, no. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, Hugo. Yeah, looking forward to hear your your sort of thoughts on this as well. So, look, uh, quite a big question to start with to you, Kelly. So, you know, what do we mean by systems? Um, and I and I, you know, how do how can they help like a founder build a business? So, I think uh, what most people traditionally thought systems meant were the hardware, local area network. Um, and the desktop software that you had in the business. And that's still, for some businesses, that is still a, a thing where businesses are not using any kind of cloud-based um, applications. But now, um, most people, when they hear the word systems, they, they think of two different things. So I'll get, I'll get to the process side in a minute. I think they confuse systems and process. So um, what a lot of people think about now when you say I have this system in my business they don't really think about the hardware that you have that's kind of expected that we're going to have that in the business but people are thinking generally what are all the different tools that I use in the business that are helping me to satisfy what I have to do on a daily basis to um, get clients sell to my clients onboard my clients uh, do my finance processes um, so I guess the millennial term for that now is um, app stack. So it's generally all the different software um, packages that people have within the business that create this app stack, which then is referred to or as the, your systems. Um, and then what I think some people get confused about is what the difference between systems and processes are. And I'm sure Vinay can add to this as well. Um, but I think some people get confused that processes are actually the systems, but the, the pro process is, are the tasks that people have to go through in the systems to accomplish what they need to do. So um, that, that I think is really important to, to mention because there is a difference between a system and a process. Okay, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, others welcome to jump in here. Vinny, do you want to like respond, respond to that? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I also think that like, there's a little bit of um, kind of, there, there isn't consistency in some of the terminology across like, different industries and just different countries and, and, and just kind of different people might call one thing. There's not like an exact kind of system between like a procedure a process or a system like I see those things kind of like you can go and find the official terminology but I hear people misusing or interchanging those words all the time so it can get a little bit tricky but um yeah to me the process is like the system is kind of like a, a, a child element in the process the process kind of like can uh, explains everything that's going on that could include interacting with the system it could include like interacting with the person or something else um and and the process is kind of like guiding that entire uh stream of work but i think at a, at a higher level to kind of think about the difference between say like project and process right and maybe within process you're including systems and procedures it's about like doing work that you it's repetitive work so recurring work that happens over and over again and it's applying a way to do that work in a way that is optimized in some way. So you've like understood that there are certain things to watch out for. There, you've understood there are certain ways to like improve the quality and those get encoded into that process in some way so that the output is um, higher quality, it's more efficient, uh, it's more compliant, uh, whatever it is. You're not kind of like making these kind of like things up as you go or trying and kind of making errors along the way. You're, you're kind of like taking the stuff that you've already learned and figured out those errors, those optimizations, and then you're turning it into kind of an encoded way to ensure that that happens uh, each time that task kind of gets done in the business. Great, great. Is, is there a sort of, you know, the what and the how sort of going on? Are we talking about the how with like an interest and you didn't call it system street, right? So, you know, you see like process as being like the thing at the top of, um, of this driving the decisions in what the systems need to be. Um, yeah. So, and, and how do companies like balance that? Um, so how we do it and what we're doing? Uh, 
well, companies balance it in all sorts of different, different ways, depending on how mature they are in their kind of process and, and systems journey. Uh, but I think ultimately you've got uh, both in place, right? You've got really strong systems in place and then you've got uh, guidelines on how to interact with those systems and how to utilize those systems to get the most out of them and, and get the most out of your investment in those systems. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, Hugo? Yeah, I, I, I think probably from my background, I sort of would take a, a step back further. For me, a system's more just a way of achieving a consistent and predictable result. And that can, that's a combination of, you know, your people, your hardware and your software. So even something like walking into a restaurant and then having a system of you greet the person, you take their coat, you take them to the table, you ask them how the day was, you give them a plate of olives or whatever. To me, that is a that is a system and you give them a the certain cutlery and a certain layout. Just it's a way of achieving that consistent result that is, you know, predictable and constant and it's written down. Everyone does it the same way. So on. so. Uh, I think nowadays everything or a lot of these things result in or the, the mechanism is the software and the tools and the app stack and so on. But, uh, you know, to me, a lot of the clients I work with, you know, that you're, you're addressing it, you know, further, further back still and just looking at what they're trying to achieve from, you know, going and picking some stuff out of a warehouse or whatever. So it's not just the, the, the desktop side of it. Okay, great. Yeah. So you're getting into then outcomes and, you know, what's the outcome they're trying to achieve and working from that, that position. Yeah, very much so. Great. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Zane. Uh, yeah, I would agree with Hugo as well. Uh, basically the outcomes part and, and also just, uh, it, it depends on what you're trying to achieve and you have to sort of set up processes or systems, um, based on what your need is, based on what the end result is and uh, and how rigorous it needs to be um, in, terms of, in terms of reporting or in terms of uh, financials. Uh, yeah, that's what I would agree on that, yeah. Awesome, okay. Um, so let's, if we move on to, um, do you think anyone else wants to say on, on this point or happy to move, move on? So um, to, to you, uh, Vinay, um, I guess, like, why is it so hard to implement, you know, a systems process mindset within an organization? What, what, what are some of the, you know, what are the challenges we're up against? Yeah. So I would say, like, it, that's an interesting question because I'd say, like, there aren't really any businesses that hit a certain scale who don't have strong processes in place. Like, it, it's kind of like a business will break, any organization will break when it hits like a certain size without processes, like it just won't be able to function. So you don't really see a business that's more than a few hundred people that doesn't have lots of processes in place because like they literally can't get to that size. So you more see this kind of like challenge when there's like this kind of growth phase from whatever size business, like a one to 50. And that's kind of like where a company might go from having no idea or no processes in place to hitting different pain points as they grow to then need to figure out systems, you know, and it might start with like, oh, we need an email account or we need to pay like our first employee. We need to get paid or like something. Right. And then over time, it's like we need to manage bigger teams. We need to handle more customers. We need to handle more uh, financing. We need to handle operations, blah, blah, blah. And like, all these all these these new pain points that kind of like happen as a business grows kind of trigger new systems that need to get figured out and deployed to solve those problems yeah um, okay great and we, we certainly have that challenge i'd say in the in the uk maybe less maybe more so than in 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 europe like you know the, the eu where that i think they're slightly more like accepting of of systems but in the uk we definitely have eyes rolling when you start talking about systems like sort of yawn so um yeah it's it's but as you say you don't have like larger organizations like I, even over even over 10 15 is really hard without something in place so um does anyone else want to sort of jump in and you know with their view on like why it's so hard to implement yeah so oh um yeah i was just gonna Sorry, say it's um the the what i see is what happens is is because of people right people are used to once one uh if it even if it's to do with managing uh, tasks say monday.com or asana right the thing is that if someone so some people are used to one software switching from one to another it's a major problem 
And it's a major problem of learning and getting used to and uh, everyone not knowing the shortcuts and all of those things or getting the app to install or getting the right URL and, and having, there's so many things that can happen just by changing something or, imp or implementing something. So yeah, it's, it's um, the biggest thing is that uh, with, with any software implementation, it's the people, you have to do the onboarding, you have to do the training and, uh, and that training often in order to get the right sort of success often means one-on-one -on -one training. Uh, you can't do like uh, sit people, sit like um, say 25 people in a room and say, okay, here's the new, soft new software. Here's how it works. Or send a video and say, uh, this is how you sign up. Good luck and um, see you in the new software. That doesn't work. So you have to basically hold hand and, and walk with them and then make sure that they're used to it. And then basically that's the sort of onboarding is, is a major part in a, in a large organization, even in a small one. I remember just signing up to Superhuman. It's an email app, um, which is a great email app. It, it lets me go through so many emails, uh, probably 500 emails in less than 15 minutes. Um, and uh, it's great. It, it, it's designed so that you can go through emails very, very quickly. But it took me a while. I just could not get, and I'm a software engineer in, from background, right? And like, I use a lot of softwares. I'm really tech savvy, extremely tech savvy. I have a lot of gear. But even then, that software took me a while just to get used to it. But now that I'm used to it, I do actually get through about 500 emails in 15 minutes. <laughs> it's just that. Free mind for me. <laughs> it's amazing. You should sign up to Superhuman. So yeah. Uh, the thing is that it's just that it's uh, it's just you, the onboarding phase. It's the most difficult part. You have to do it yeah, properly. Yeah. It's like that change management kind of like process is really difficult. Like getting getting a team to kind of switch from not having to remember to do something or not doing something in a certain way to doing something in a new way. Um, I think so. Like for us, the biggest challenge that we basically see from like our feedback and our surveys from our customers is I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to implement systems. I don't have enough time to write this process. I don't have enough time to migrate my team over to this new tool because I'm busy doing something else. That also not enough time is just also another way of saying like, it's not a priority. Like there are other priorities that are more important in my business and my team. This basically kind of is like the emith story. It basically happens in small businesses when you're going from this like one to 50 kind of range, because like, you usually are very under-resourced as a small business. Like you just, there's more stuff to do. You don't have as many support people. You don't have as many like of these systems figured out and you don't have the people to like run these systems. And so, you know, the, the classic story of like the entrepreneur at night on the weekends doing their taxes, stories that you two just, just told Kelly and James. And so I think that's like, that's the combination of like, I don't have enough time. It's not a priority. There's other stuff on fire that I've got to deal with. I think that is the most common reason why people struggle to implement systems. Um, and then I think with that, and which is something that opens up when businesses get larger, a different way to also potentially frame that is like, they just don't have the money or the resources to spend. Like, yeah, you could hire a Kelly and she could come in and build amazing systems for you, but it's not going to be free. It's not going to be cheap. Uh, so if you don't have that additional capital to invest in the business, um, uh, that also becomes a restraint. Whereas if you're if you're a 50 person company, um, hiring process consultant becomes a lot more affordable, uh, relatively speaking to the revenue of the business and whatnot. And so, yeah, it just it just is there's, there's these kind of like time and resource and capital problems as a business is growing that just make it a challenge to implement. Yeah, yeah, no, really interesting. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So Hugo, you were. Yeah, it's something I found and it's more with sort of middle management or project managers is people don't like to feel like they're they're becoming a McDonald's. They, they feel it's stifling their creative flair, if you like. You know, pe people want to be able to give them the task to do and do it how they want. Whereas if they're told, no, you have to do it in this sequence following these steps, they sort of don't like it. Once they once they're used to it, that changes massively. But I think that then leads on to the importance of the, the change management thing that Vinny mentioned and and selling it and creating that buy-in before you even roll the system out but that yeah that that feeling of people that, that they're becoming de-skilled because they're having to just follow a load of steps rather than just 
go and do it how you think is best. That's something I've, I've sort of come up against. Whereas people who are more at the at the lower level, they're they're really happy with it. They're used to it, and they they. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to sound derogatory. You know, they like being given a, a set of steps and told how to do their daily tasks and crack on. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a real, it's really common like challenge. Um, so people feel like also there's a fear around their job, right? So they're fearing like, well, if we systematize, does it mean that my job is not going to be, you know, around? And you know, it takes a lot of convincing with teams to say, actually, what we want you to do is be to be doing more of the creative stuff to try and you know spend more time with the the customer, like like engage in like the, in theory the fun stuff and the stuff that adds value, and let the, the machine um, you know r run it. And and uh, if, if any of you um, you know, come across like the pizza manufacturing game. So it's a way to sort of get, um, a, you know, teams, get two or three teams of like five or whatever, and they'd manufacture pizzas and the first time putting the, you know, the pineapple on, I know you shouldn't have pineapple on pizza, but, uh, you know, all of that, like they're basically putting like stuff on and then like, it's just a madness. And then the next time you say, right, try and think about how you might optimize and what's the most interesting thing is by the third time, they've all worked out that if they each have a stage, then they can look at the the bottlenecks or whatever, and they can then say, okay, right, well, um, it, we, we've actually, like, the thing here that's, like, throttling this is this part. So they work it out, but also the room's silent. The room's really quiet once they've all kind of worked out who's doing what in that game. It's a really, like, effective way to get a group, like, a team to realise yeah, it might not be like the fun days in your startup of like the craziness, but you actually are way more effective as, as, as a business. Um, so, sort of jumped in with that anecdote. But yeah, um, Kelly, like, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think another thing that people probably struggle with is not knowing where to start. So, not having a proper framework to understand how you can properly implement systems in, in the business without having again to pay somebody to help you with with that and the fact that when it comes to uh, software systems it's not like it was 10 years ago where you know for x industry you have one or two different software tools that you can choose from a consultant will come in and implement it for you now we've got this situation where software as a service has exploded and there are thousands and thousands of tools on the market. How do you choose what, what to put in place? So I think it's it's also a little bit overwhelming for, for businesses that are trying to put in, in place new systems because they, they might not really know where to start. Um, and another thing as well is, again, the, the cost that they think is associated with putting new systems in place, um, the cost that's associated with training, the cost that's associated with downtime, the costs that are associated with employing a consultant, like, like Vinay mentioned. Um, and I'm not sure if this situation is available in uh, the US or in other countries, but um, a lot of businesses don't realize that in the UK, the government has actually provided funding to different um, counties and councils to help small business, small and medium-sized businesses with their systems. So you can actually um, apply for grants to, to get funding to work with consultants or to you know, um, help with the software costs um, and hardware costs and that kind of thing. So um, I think that's, that's something that a lot of people don't realize that there is help available out there as well yeah, amazing yeah well we, we, if you yeah if you've got any links we'll, we'll put them into the yeah. um oh, messaging uh happy to do that so um i've just like vinnie's we'll put your post into the the links as well um yeah that's just a post i recommend for anyone listening um it, just google giving away your legos it's a really good post on the idea that it's actually much more beneficial for your career to build systems and help like the company that you're working for grow and become more efficient than it is to kind of just like stay in the job and not not deliver as much value to the business yeah 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 it's, it's a huge especially if there's a culture that that's sort of embedded already people kind of there's a protectionist um sort of piece going on it you know we you actually have to yeah there's really difficult to unlock that in a in a in a in a, in a business um if it's already 
if, if it's already embedded and set in it's so hard to start to try to like get people to open up and be willing to um you know document what they do basically you know you see it so often that that is not um that that's that you don't have the coalition of the willing when you start on that journey so um hugo um can can we can we dig into you know what's what's the sort of steps that you think that a leader could go about when they're looking at implementing um both a system but you know this is also thinking about a um you know that that almost mind mindset a you know process mindset within an organization um i guess that's a pretty expansive question but the way i'd answer that is that the most or one of the most critical things in that you're all going to be you're already going to be carrying out a certain process that you want to systemize it be it your sales or delivery or whatever and the biggest thing for me is just to get the the doers involved so not the boss who's telling you who's employing you not the director or the company owner the people on the shop floor the people that are actually doing the job because the chances are the boss isn't going to have done that activity for some time or they're going to have a skewed view of it but also by involving the the, the people on the shop floor you gain that buy-in so that when the system a, a you're going to end up with a better defined need or scope or however you want to describe it but you've already got that buy-in so when you when you go to roll the system out you know you've already won half the battle of that that resistance people feel like they have some ownership of it you know and that can be anything from a software platform that they've helped with the configuring of or um something more bespoke or a you know how to go and get stuff off the shelves or how to make a door or whatever um, so for me, that that's a massive uh, part of it. I think uh, just to get that buy-in, um, that'd be my my initial thought. That's great. Um, yeah, like thinking back to sort of Six Sigma days, it was about getting the enough people involved, like a higher spend up front, to then not have the legacy spend. You know, like tech debt over time. It's about you know trying to to engage the enough people so they all feel part of the solution. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, the people are such a critical part of a system, you know, you can, I've seen it, it with, we've all seen it where, you know, you get some amazing new bit of software or whatever, and just because of that resistance to change, people are too busy, like um, has been said before, all those typical excuses, and they all build up, all those typical reasons, they all build up, and then this big project that you spent tens or hundreds or whatever, a thousand pounds on, just falls flat on its face because it wasn't that engagement, that communication, that change management wasn't wasn't done properly uh, in the first place. I, I think the other another point for me, and I know not everyone will probably agree with this, but I, I'm not a big fan of very very defined scopes um, because, in my experience, people don't really know what they want until they've seen a sort of a even a proof of concept. Then they're like, "Ah, oh, I see what you're talking about now. Oh, can we add this here? Can we make it do this?" Now, but if you ask for someone from the from the offset to say exactly what they want every screen and window and table to look like, I, I think people find that quite overwhelming. So I find in a lot of projects, the first third is that proof of concept, and then the 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 tweaking, adjust and adjusting as you go through um, is you know almost a larger part than the initial build. That's slightly yeah. off piece there. Apologies. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's yeah, re re really, re really relevant. Um, uh, Zane, what, what do you think? What do you see is usually the catalyst in, 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 you know, trying to explore uh, a better way of doing things? Well, the thing is that often it's, it's, it's a difficult one because we're, often what happens is when you're using a system, when you're using, say. Uh, uh, if we go back to the email example, if you're already using uh, an email software, it works fine. Then it's difficult to see what's uh, why should we change, um, and um, what what made it change for me was the time basically, because it takes a, a very long time to go through emails, and uh, having seen that that software works for a lot of people, and that they saved a lot of time. I was like, well, you know what? I have to invest in learning how that works. So it's it's basically uh, the time, and also if there is uh, if I'm if I'm creating a system if I'm creating a system myself, which you know often happens because of data engineering. There's there is that aspect of 
um, uh, creating more, uh, extracting more information out of something. So for example, there are two tools uh, similar to Jira that allow you to uh, measure um, how well a software developer is performing or software developer teams uh, are performing. Now, the thing is that uh, they're still limited in, in terms of how much reporting they give, but the data is available. So you can do a bit more on that data. Now, often I actually end up doing that sort of work. And uh, in that, the only reason why I'm doing that is because it actually provides a huge value for the company uh, that I'm working with that how could, um, how could you um, optimize your developer's time uh, because the developer's time is one of the most important uh, because um, developers' salaries are one of the highest uh, salary bands after the C-suite. So um, that is a massive, uh, that's basically the, the argument. You have to optimize developers' time. And the way you do that is you measure how they're working and how well they're working. And uh, sometimes the uh, systems like Jira and the uh, so software engineering um, um, softwares, software engineering uh, 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 development softwares that uh, allow you to, you know, things like Jira that basically allow you to measure, uh, not measure, but allow you to create tickets and see how the tickets are moving and uh, manage the development of softwares. Those are sometimes limited in terms of providing you the data you need. Uh, and you have to basically extract the data and then you have to do a bit more of your own calculation to, to extract the right sort of numbers. Um, and that's basically, so though, what I would say is the catalyst is the time and, and money at the end of the day. So uh, the pain, there's too much pain and they decide to do something about it. So yeah, yeah that's the other one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I, we, we've, we've been like exploring kind of how to, you know, answer this question and it, and it ties in a lot and just how to sell, you know, process management software or process management services. Right. Um, and the thing that we've been kind of honing in on and really, really liking is uh, it comes from gap selling. Um, so we've been kind of using gap selling as our sales methodology. And um, it, basically gap selling is like about identifying a value gap that exists in the business. Um, and so you kind of like look at like the current state of the business or the team or the process. You look at the future potential state that you could get that process to. That could be through technology or through just improving the way that it's done, through training, through hiring, like whatever. Um, you look at like, okay, what's the what's the value gap there? So what's like the the potential gain the business will get? You know, try and that's going to be different depending on the process. But you're trying to like understand. You know, this is the current state. You know, you're closing ten customers a month. What if you close eleven? Or like you got ten people working on this, um, and they're doing you know a hundred you know clients per month. What, could, what if you do one hundred fifty? Or what if you only need seven people? Or whatever. Like what's that gap? And then. Um, that's kind of like the total value gap. And then you kind of look at like the cost of implementation, which is, you know, the, the, the time it will take to kind of like implement the people, um, the hours they work, any change management costs, as well as like the cost of the actual system itself. And then you kind of have like your net gap. And basically if the net gap is big enough, that value gap is big enough that will, and, and, and that becomes like, a, like the, 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 the gap becomes like a kind of high enough in um, ROI or like return for the business to kind of prioritize as something they should do that business, that department, that team, then that can create the kind of urgency and momentum for them to take action, right? Sometimes they're aware that there's a gap this because they're aware that this thing's running really inefficient, inefficiently, or there's a lot of problems. So they're getting, you know, low quality work or, um, but sometimes they're not aware and sometimes they need to be educated on like, hey, like maybe you don't realize, but like you could, you, this is your current state, but this could be your future state if we put a little bit of work into it. Um, and so it's about kind of trying to work with those customers to help find that value gap. And once that value gap is realized, and if the gap is big enough, that will create a compelling event for them to take action. Um, and, but, but different people get to understanding that, that gap differently. Mm. Uh, and the gap is is different for different businesses right yeah yeah 
Yeah, really interesting. Like, you know, visualizing, trying to help them visualize that. I mean, that, you know, that there's so much in, it's almost like, it's almost like coaching, isn't it? You're almost trying to like help them sort of like get a vision of where they are, you know, the grow model, where where they are, like well, the goal and the reality. So then the options and, and then try and, you know, look at the the will to, to, to go on that journey. Yeah, super interesting. Funny how sales and coaching are quite similar, but um, Kelly, like if we look at um, almost like the polarization of this, does anyone want to comment on the gap thing or are you happy to? Okay, um, so if we look at polarization, any thoughts on a sort of shiny new toy syndrome? <laughs> yeah, I think it goes uh, back to this this thing of there's there's too much available now. So, you know, it's uh, weighing up the do I keep what I have now or do I use, do I implement this new tool? So this is kind of like opposite to, to what we were talking about earlier on about um, the difficulties businesses have with implementing systems. But when you have good systems in place, you start thinking, okay, well, I've, I've got to be continuously improving the way that I do things, which is good practice. But this shiny new object syndrome thing comes in where you think, oh, okay, well, yeah, there's this amazing new uh, CRM that does all these things that, but most in most cases, actually you could better off stick with what you have now as long as the uh, the tool that you're working with is proactive. They're in re releasing new features. They've got a good customer support team. Um, there's proactiveness on their part, which means that they're trying to retain their customer base rather than you moving to something else, which is you've got to get used to the way that you're doing things. You've got to retrain your staff. You've got to move everything over. You've got to reintegrate everything. Um, so I think, yeah, proceed with caution if you're thinking, oh, okay, my, my mates just told me that there's this new CRM or this new um like zane says new new email um tool on the market which you know on the flip side yeah uh definitely proceed with caution and i just wanted to add something to um what was being said um earlier i think one of the things um that uh it, a lot of businesses do have in mind that kind of uh, is a catalyst for them looking for, for new systems is sometimes it's a case of people within the company are complaining because there's lack of productivity, they're losing staff because of lack of engagement, there's, uh, there, there aren't proper ways of doing things, people are confused, uh, there are lots of errors happening repeatedly. Um, all of those kind of things are also, I think, catalysts, which, you know, eventually whoever's responsible for, for the change management in the business is thinking, well, you know, we can't go on like this because we know that we've, we have problems that are on a baseline and we need to sort all of those things out. So I think that's definitely something that, that uh, energizes businesses to, to do things better. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Kelly. Anyone want to jump in or? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> I guess this is sort of a bit of, you know, an open question to the, the panel, but in, in my mind, there's sort of the automate stage is, is what people think they want, but there's almost defining and refining and then delegating or automating like there's the steps before that um how how do you handle that when you sort of see so people basically saying we want to automate like what what's what's the what's uh how, how do you manage that when you're working with with businesses can i answer that one yeah um i always well whenever somebody comes to me and says i want to automate my business the first thing that I say is, okay, we can't just automate everything in your business. There's some things that should be automated and there's some things that shouldn't be automated. And 
you can't automate something that is inefficient. So if you automate something that is inefficient, it's going to magnify that inefficiency. That's actually a Bill Gates quote. Um, so going back and looking at the systems that you've got in place, are they the right systems for your business? Do they do what you want them to do? And if they don't do what they what you want them to do, can you optimize them? Are there better features that you're not using to make the most of them? And if that system is not appropriate, then we need to find new systems that are going to make things better for your business. And with that in mind, we also have to streamline and make the processes more efficient before we can automate. So automation really should be the absolutely last thing a business should be doing. We need to go back to scratch, look at the systems, improve those, streamline and, and improve the processes, document them, have a better way of working, and then you automate. Because actually, ultimately, that saves a lot of time with the automation side, because if you go back to basics, you probably don't have to automate as much as you would if you didn't look at that part. Yeah, you don't have to re-automate. Um, yeah, I have a good like bit for this. So Elon Musk has, uh, he has this like framework that he uses. It's called like his five uh, engineering principles. And this is kind of how he goes about building everything. And we kind of train a lot of our customers to think about designing their processes. And we have kind of like a slightly modified version of this, but I'll tell you Elon's. So the five Elon's uh, five engineering principles. Principle one, make requirements less dumb. Um, so like, are you, do you really like, do you really need to do this thing in this complex way, right? Or, or, or like, um, can you just kind of like simplify your approach to how you're doing this completely? Like, do you need to over-engineer this from the beginning? Uh, principle two, this is, and this is like in order, this is kind of how you want to think about like analyzing or improving a process in some way. Try very hard to delete the part or process. So the second part is, do you even need to do this at all? Can you just like not do this? Can you throw it away and like not have it be something on your to-do list? Uh, three is simplify and optimize. So can you make this simpler than it currently is? Um, step four is accelerate cycle time. So one is like kind of make things simpler. Then two is, can you speed up the speed that you're actually getting this, this task done mm -hmm. when it's a recurring task? And once you've kind of gone through all those four steps, then step five is automate. Like now you've kind of like really kind of like got this to its core, most important, like first principles. You've tried it. You've taken away any of the craft, any of the fluff. You've, you've iterated on it multiple times manually. You've tried to make it more higher quality. You've tried to make it faster. Um, and once you've kind of really tightened all of that, then you can stick it into automation. But until you've really like refined that, that process, you don't think about automating it. Love it. Yeah, and I, I think um, another thing to add to, to that, which I think Hugo and Danae were talking about earlier on, was about involving your team, making sure that the right people, you have everybody involved. So it's not just about adoption, um, you know, to, for, for new systems and processes. It's, it's trying to understand um, what people do things differently in the roles that they, they play within the company, because that really also impacts in how you should be changing things um, and then what you should be automating. Yeah, so the ownership, like the sense of ownership from within the team. Yeah, brilliant. Hugo, Zane, any thoughts on this? Uh, only, I couldn't have put what Kelly and Vinay put said better you know automation is the final thing get get your stepping stones right and then pave over the top kind of thing um the only other thing which is sort of not uh unrelated to mr musk's uh, points is i quite often um go through with business owners the the seven types of waste from lean and although that was originated from sort of manufacturing and so on it's also quite applicable when you're when you're looking at all the steps trying to highlight things that are that are unnecessary or wasted or could be done better it's just another way of sort of getting people to think about it but no i think yeah those those guys captured it perfectly yes same um basically um you've covered everything kelly and uh, vinay it's basically the, exactly what i was going to say the only thing i was going to actually add 
is uh, in terms of efficiencies, it goes back into, it goes back to money, it goes back to finance. Um, you have to sort of, uh, with any process, when you eliminate a part, you're most likely saving a huge amount of money. Um, I was uh, once working with, uh, there was one problem I was solving where there was uh, an API call happening every minute for one hour, so 60 times, and it only needed to happen once. Someone had messed up some sort of uh, like a scheduler. And the thing is that by just changing it back to just once, uh, once every 24 hours, um, it uh, we, we were able to save 120K per year. So it's just a very small change of eliminating what's not necessary it saves so much money. So yeah, that's um, automation should definitely come right at the end. Brilliant, thank you. Um, so look, final, you know, home straight right now, um, we've got about sort of five minutes or so left. Um, uh, start, yeah, let's let's dig into like how, how do you excite, you know, for founders and, and you know, people listening today, like how do you excite them to try and go on a, um, you know, a systems and sort of process led journey? Um, I'll start with Hugo and we'll come back around, so. Um, I think it's, for me, it's about selling to business owners, the concept of more time, more control uh, over what's going on, the, the ability to step back and, you know, leave the business if, if, as and when they want to. But um, one of the other things are all the things from a system, you get the, the initial benefit as in whatever it is happens, you know, as in your sales process happens. But what the, the other benefits, so once you've done that system, if it's automated six months on, suddenly you've got six months data and you can go, oh, well, hang on it. Why is it that such a salesman is is achieving that much more than someone else? Or why is it that this bloke, you know over sales extra or whatever and all those other little metrics that can be drawn from it that enable you to make strategic decisions about how to develop your business you know it might be a simple case of well you're really much better as a salesperson so let's write down and use your script and then we roll that on to everyone else it's, it's all those secondary benefits to having robust systems i think that um often business owners or system implementers or whatever don't don't quite appreciate Awesome. Great. Thanks, Hugo. Uh, Vinay? Um, yeah. So I think one of the things I mentioned before is like helping understand the value gap. Like what are you actually missing out on if you, are, you know, if you don't move on implementing or upgrading the system and, and, and kind of like, uh, yeah, making that clear and agreed upon. And, you know, in some cases, maybe there isn't a big enough value gap and maybe that is not the right priority for the business. Maybe the priority for the business is not like implement processes. Maybe it's go get more customers. And actually a lot of the time that probably should be the priority for a lot of businesses. They shouldn't be worrying about operations. They should just be worrying about getting getting more in, in the kind of like top line. Um, but, uh, yeah, so identifying the value gap, I think is one. Um, I think some of the stuff we kind of already talked about, like uh, saving time, um, setting yourself up for growth, uh, being able to step away from the business, uh, not being kind of overwhelmed and just kind of selling on kind of those principles. Um, and then another one that I'll throw out that's a little bit controversial is like selling on fear. Um, so this is usually around risk. So compliance risk, health and, health and safety risk, risk of getting bad reviews on Glassdoor. Um, there's like different kind of like downsides that can happen for not having good processes and systems in place. And that can be another way to get somebody, uh, put a little fire under them and get them moving. Great. Yeah. And interesting that, you know, the point you make there, Vinny, because I kind of see like generally in a business, it's, you know, product, promote, process, then people. So you kind of, you, you, there's things that need to happen before you start building systems. But if you can start out with a systems mindset, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. But if you add if you add too many people before you've got your systems defined, then you're, uh, that's really hard to unpick as well. So um, Kelly. I'm just going to keep mine really short and sweet and use some catchphrases. Work smarter, not harder. Reduce costs. Save time. Stay agile be scalable that's that that's 
to me, a good summary of the benefits of having good systems. <laughs> we'll have to get t-shirts with that on, Kelly. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, trying, getting there. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, really good. Uh, Zane? So I would say, uh, basically, uh, if, if, uh, if you've seen uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, I think it's all about uh, smaller, like small things. So just focus on improving 1% uh, at a time. And that's it. If you try to say, oh, I need this system, this system, this system, I need all of these things, I need to do them all by the end of this week, that's not going to happen if nothing will happen. And so it's all about just one improvement at a time, one small improvement at a time. That's it. Great, great. Um, I was just going to say, you know, when you're winning a, uh, on a project is that when the, the, the employees keep coming to you, they're chasing you saying, oh, can you do this? Can you add this? Can you change this? Rather than you, rather than it being you pushing new updates and stuff to them, you, you know, when they're properly engaged, when they keep coming to you and, and, and asking for new uh, new things, I suppose. I guess I'm slightly off topic, but just, um, yeah, that came from. No, no, John. no, really, really relevant. Um, I, I, I would have liked to sort of talk about trends. Is there any like, you know, I know the, the no code trend is, you know, really taking hold. Anything else anyone wants, you know, in a, in a very short sentence add into that? I would say I would say no code is is doing really well. It's it's really picking up. It's great. Uh, the other thing which is really uh, similar is basically the uh, APIs that allow you to do AI. So there's um, obviously, as you might know, you know, big companies Google, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook. Um, they have uh, the money. They have billions, and they have uh, data centers. They can do machine learning on a large scale. And they can uh, create models that will, even if they don't succeed now, they will eventually succeed because they just have so much money to to spend. Uh, whereas for smaller companies, it's much more difficult to uh, compete and iterate in the same sort of level. However, what's really great is that Google, uh, Microsoft, Amazon, um, and Facebook have APIs. So and they are trained on their large data sets, uh, trained. Um, through, I guess, billions of uh, dollars worth of salaries paid to uh, amazing machine learning engineers. So that's the other thing I would say that's that's amazingly great. So um, AI APIs are really taking off and they are really powerful. And it's a, it's a great way to enable uh, or enable AI on your systems or use AI uh, quickly, basically, without any um, risk of um, spending too much money and not getting the models right and and tweaking and everything. Awesome, Thank, thanks. Yeah. yeah, and they're actually like pretty easy to access and use. You can use them through Zapier and stuff. Uh, a lot of them is pretty cool. Great stuff. One, um, one so in the last minute, um, so twenty seconds each. Bit of a joke question, but um, what? Um, look, it's really hard to answer this. Like, what if, if there's one system that you think like every business should have? Uh, what what is it and why? And we'll start with Vinny. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I've got to say process treat, but no. I mean, the basic one is probably payroll. I would say is the most important system for most companies. Awesome. Okay, great. Hugo. I have no idea. That's a mean question. Uh, <laughs> I, I I can't answer that. Just one one system, the most important thing. I'd say. I guess anything that engages with the people, if the, if the people are engaged and working well and know what they're doing, then everything else kind of follows. But you can have all the best systems in the world. But if, if anything, people orientated or HR orientated isn't there, then then you've lost. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Sorry, sorry for putting you on the spot on that one, Zane. Uh, yes, uh, similar to what Hugo mentioned, I think it all depends on uh, the business requirements. Uh, so I don't think there's a single system because it might be that some companies require uh the the it one use my one problem might be bigger than the other so we don't know um uh yeah i would say that it it should be focused on whatever the problem is there's no problem bigger than getting paid <laughs> <laughs> try try getting anybody to do anything if they don't get paid <laughs> are you giving us a hint into where you're going next 
Fraser yeah. <laughs> Street. Brilliant. Um, Kelly? Um, I'm going to flip it on its head a little bit. Um, I think that every business has different needs and I don't think that there's a one size fits all for for any business. Um, but I think one thing that is critical to a business is because we know that so many businesses actually fail within their first one or two years, not having an accurate a system that shows you your financial performance and having good finance figures really hinders businesses in, in growth. But saying that, if you don't have good other systems that feed into your finance system, you're never going to get good figures because they're never going to be accurate. So... <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, look, brilliant. Thanks so much, guys. Um, so, look, you know... Implementing systems is a human challenge. You know, we've it's the the tech meets like humans that intersect on the Venn diagram. How do we you know get it to? How, how do we get us to work together? Um, you know, just enough is enough with systems. Often, um, involve your team, get them involved, and don't automate until you have an efficient system. So. Next Wiser Wednesday will be on Revenue Rockets. So um, yeah, if you've got any questions for um, the panelists today, reach out. I'm sure like LinkedIn, you know, but be happy to answer any questions you have. Thank you so much to the panelists. Um, it's been brilliant to uh, hear your, um, you know, your worldviews and what likes going on in systems in your space. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. Hope you feel slightly wiser this Wednesday and see you next time. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you.